Hello, and welcome to High Hopes, a Phillies podcast powered by 94 WIP. I'm your host, John Marks. Been a few weeks since I've done a podcast. Uh, thanks to James Seltzer and uh, Jack Fritz for their hard work putting content out, out there every week. But today, joining me for the first time is a big Phillies guy. He produces Phillies games, and he's the producer and co host of the Big Daddy Graham show. Heard every. Can you say Monday through Friday, Mike? Because it's Monday through Friday technically, right. but to some people it may not be Monday through Friday because it's 2 a.m. Right. Mike Angelina, what's up, dude? <laughs> hey, what's going on, John? Uh, big Philly season coming up. Obviously, getting started here in a couple weeks. It's weird. Season starts the 27th, I think, of, of March. Something like yeah, that against yeah, I think the Braves. it's two weeks from Thursday. Two weeks. Man, they put me down and we go down spring training the last possible week. Like we, when we leave, the team's pretty much leaving too. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to get down there. Watch the game on Sunday, and um, yeah, there are a lot of different conversations and talk with the team as we we head into the regular season here. It was good to see, um, good to see the offense. Good to see the offense performing pretty well this year. Just Mike, what are your overall thoughts with uh, with the Phillies? What you've seen so far in spring training? First, the thing that stands out most is it's because the number one thing I'm looking for is I, I would like to see a little more uh, consistency consistency from the starting pitching, uh, <laughs> Nola aside, but, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, which probably won't get it, but that's the one thing standing out. Uh, you know, the guys are the guys that matter are probably doing about what I expected hitting wise, uh, except Franco. Not that I had high high expectations for him, but. You know, you're seeing Hoskins, you know, Homer probably once every three, four games. Kingery's really, you know, reminding us that he's a big league player. Uh, you know, I'm not concerned with the, with the lineup, but the pitching wise, and I still think that there's a lot of things to sort out in the bullpen. Uh, do they ha- talk of the eight eight bullpen arms? I don't even know if they have eight good bullpen arms. You can count on them to make that even worth it. So you're looking for just just overall uh, pitching wise for it to settle. Yeah, and we don't know what's going to happen with Arietta and uh, will he take a three-year contract for right. $90 million from the Phillies. He's holding out for more years. I, I feel like right now there's a, there's a pretty good possibility that he ends up going with the Phillies. I guess he's waiting it out. I mean, at some point I know he's working on his own, but like you said, the regular season starts, mm-hmm. and it's strange in, in free agency in today's day and age. Guys are waiting till the almost the last possible minute to sign big contracts uh, you think the Arietta thing is possible, probable, somewhat legitimate, using the Phillies as leverage or a fallback position? Yeah, it's somewhere between possible and probable. Uh, the only reason I wouldn't say probable is uh, I still it, it still makes too much sense to me that the Nationals cut Boris a favor uh, yeah. because because Bryce Harper, they you know just just make a Boris client happy and just get going with it. Uh, just to you know they have bigger things on the horizon uh, with with him, but. And, you know, it makes sense just capitalizing the window and with they probably only have one year left maybe. So I would I still think they're probably the front runner. Uh, but Phillies, when you look around baseball, it's hard to think of a team that has a more, uh, you know, better chance at, you know, besides the Nationals and the Phillies. Yeah, they need them. And you're right. And Scott Boris in particular with the Nationals and his relationship with, with their front office and the mm-hmm. players that are there, it's kind of scary how much influence uh, an agent can have over a team Doing favors, signing guys because hey, if you want to re- if you want to resign my guy, then you better take this other guy. Scott Boris has right. more influence than than really any agent in the game, in right. particular with the Nationals. It's scary, so we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, it, it actually it reminds me of uh, 
LeBron James getting J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson contracts. So. Playing GM, an agent playing GM. Yeah. Pretty crazy down there. Yeah, I mean, overall, I would say and, and it's tough because a lot of games are on during the day, and uh, we, we've, we've, we've carried a handful of, uh, of games here on, on WIP. Mm-hmm. The weekends, we're playing the games. Yeah. So I'm catching those games, or I'm watching them when they're on Comcast. Uh, but for, for the most part, and hey, listen, we know, I think I know what, what this team is at this point. They don't have starting pitching. The mm-hmm. bullpen's going to need to figure it out as the season gets going. They really need to sign Arietta because if they don't, it's going to be pretty much the same rotation as you had last year. Right. Velasquez has looked good. Some of the guys have looked good. But overall, I'm happy with what the everyday lineup looks like. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a long season if they don't improve the starting pitching. And we'll see. They're, they're trying. I, I, I don't want them to go out and sign a guy just to sign a guy if it's going to hurt them long term. But they right. need to add somebody to this mix. Yeah, I'm surprised that not just them, but somebody in baseball hasn't just you know said – you know, we're, we're tired of waiting for Arietta. Let's just go lock up Lance Lynn. We'll give him, we'll overpay him for three years and just we'll call it a day. Call it, call it a winner and, you know, and go with that. He's a guy that makes sense for the Phillies just because he's just a guy you can count on. He he knows how to, he, he attacks the strike zone, you know, moves the ball up and down. He's and, consistent. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's a, he's a bona fide big league pitcher and he's a, a, you know, he's at least a three, a number three. And with the Phillies, he looks like a really, really good number three. What's the the number though? And that's what everybody's talking about. You know, it, it's crazy, Mike, and and you follow, you follow baseball pretty close. I mean, really, between you and Jack Fritz and and James and Joe Giglio, the, the of the everybody I know, we follow <laughs> the game closer than than anybody else. Right. General managers in 2018 aren't the GMs of five years ago or ten years ago. Or whatever else, mm-hmm. free agency is different now. The, yeah. These these GMs aren't signing the same bad contracts. Now you'll see them. Don't get me wrong, but they're not signing the same bad contracts that you would have seen happen every offseason ten years ago. And they're correcting the market. So I look at a guy like Lance Lynn, and I think Lance Lynn's a pretty good pitcher. Like you said, he's a solid number three. Mm-hmm. It's all about what the number is. And the agents are still trying to be like, no, no, five or six year contract. These guys aren't getting five, six years con- right, contracts right. anymore at twenty million dollars a year. It's not happening. Right. No. It, look, if, if I'm, you know, McPhail, Clentac, uh, I'm sure Middleton will have a voice in it. Obviously, what's wrong with you know just go to Lance Lynn? Look, here's three years, fifty million. Can we? Or, or, is this good? Is, are we good enough here? Like, I don't know where he's getting better than that. And then you know he's not he's young enough to three years from now he'll still get another contract. Absolutely, I, I would think that's that's a good middle place for everyone. Yeah, short term, big money, and it works out. I mean, if 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 Arietta's looking at it, I would ha- I would imagine that the Phillies are probably offering three to four million dollars more per year, mm-hmm. or or at least than it, the next team, but they're probably offering an extra year or two. I mean, what's realistic for what do you think Arietta would sign for right now? Four for a hundred or is he or is there a team out there that he thinks he's still he's not getting five for one twenty five. Right. And maybe he's just waiting on uh make a, a fifth year vesting option. Maybe he's waiting for just better terms to for him to meet in that fifth year. Uh you know, maybe lower the inning threshold or whatever to to, to incentive to with the incentives to get that that contract. And the thing with teams are they're just I think they know like they're looking around going like okay we're all I think they all realize they're like minded and like all right we're, no one's going to jump in front of the other so let's why are we rushing why are you, like who are we bidding against right yeah you end up bidding against yourself and yeah. and, and once Arietta signs then 
Lynn will end up going, and that's what you thought was going to happen with Darvish. Yeah, Cobb will end up going. Yeah, and and the rest of the guys go. But yo, man, it's March. Uh, it's March sixth. Yeah, yeah, we're running out of time here. Right, you're not going to be ready to start the season, so that kind of takes away from it. Uh, all right, so uh, listen, we'll see. Velasquez pitched Monday. Yeah, was it Monday that he pitched? It was Monday. Yeah, yeah, he looked decent. You know, looked good. Um, hasn't looked great this. This offseason, you talked about, um, or this spring training, you talked about Franco and what are the expectations, and I don't know if I have any real expectations. They're tinkering with a swing. That's what you would expect them to do. Mm-hmm. Velasquez, I, my, you know what my expectations are? He's never going to materialize in, into anything other than what we've seen in an enigma. He's got the stuff, right. but he's got everything else working against him. Very real possibility. Uh, if you're like, comparing him to Franco, the thing with Velasquez, you can actually you can rationalize with yourself and go, you know, if you have a vascular issue and you're not feeling feeling the ball, feeling the grip, you're not just overall general, your fingers aren't feeling right. That's going to affect your secondary pitches. Uh, I, I'm sure I think Jack Fritz has brought up multiple times on this podcast. He's not a fan of his secondary pitches. You can at least convince yourself, hope wise, into thinking, okay, maybe if he actually feels his fingers, he can be better in that area. That's, you know, with Franco, like, what excuse are you going to make that you can try and spin it to yourself? Yeah, no, and that's what's scary is the injury. He, he's, yeah. he can't feel his problem is fingertips. He's got tingling, and that's what's scary. Uh, it, he's got the natural stuff. Remember Vicente Padilla mm-hmm. came up, and he dominated early, pretty much just throwing fastballs. He, he didn't have secondary pitches. Everything was hard. He would try to throw that weird curveball that, like— The ethos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what the hell was that? I see the same thing with Velasquez. He he's got the stuff. He doesn't have it in the head. Like yeah. there's there, there's just and he's got injury stuff too. But he's just there's something. It, it, baseball's a mental game as much as it, it's a, it's a physical game. And if you don't have it between the ears and you're a pitcher, or you're a batter, like like Franco, is Franco the same thing where he's just guessing? If he, if he's guessing fastball and you leave a meatball over the middle of the plate mm-hmm. and he hits it on the screws, he's going to hit a home run because he's got great raw power. Mm-hmm. Right. But he swings at the same pitch every time, and got, there's a book on you. It's like, okay, we're not going to throw him a fastball. So unless right. he guesses right and gets lucky, forget about it. He'll, he'll have 20 home runs a year because pitchers are bad and everything else. But, you know, it, Mike, it's one of those things where you looked at the Ken Giles trade and we celebrated that trade. Like, oh, we killed them on that trade. Yeah. Now look at it. Appel's retired. Velasquez looks like he's a he's a lost cause. Eshelman was was in that trade. Yeah, Eshelman, he's pitched well this spring, actually. He's going to be a, a good fourth or fifth yeah, he's all right. starter, I think. But it's not the initial return that, that no. you thought you were going to no. get. And, you know, I guess we should also point out Ken Giles has lost a closer job twice. He has. So he has, he yeah. has, and the Phillies have, for the most part, have been fine with Neris at the back end of that bullpen. Yeah. So we'll see how they do this season. Hey, did you, you notice Cole Hamels was speaking out? Of, yeah, about uh, the six-man rotation. So Texas is toying or talking about a six-man rotation, and that's the kind of organization that's really into the analytics and the yeah. and the new age baseball. So it would make sense that they would be the one of the first organizations to do the sixth-man rotation. Now. Cole's totally against it. And mm-hmm. not only is he – I mean, he spoke out. It just, I mean, he's really pissed about it because he's he prepares a certain way. Cole's in – I mean, he's been – I'm trying to think. He's He's got to be 34. 34, I think. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you're telling a guy, all right, your entire career you've been preparing the same way. You have your off day. You have your bullpen session. 
you're getting ready for your next start. Now you're throwing an extra day of rest in between. Now, mm-hmm. is it that big of a deal? I'm not a major league pitcher. Cole sure seems to think it's it's that big of a deal. Plus, he's getting less starts, maybe right. the same amount of innings if he's able to go more innings. But, um, you know, it, it first of all, your thoughts on a six-man rotation, but it seems like Cole would love to come back to Philadelphia just when <laughs> maybe there's some need for some pitching. And I don't think it happens this year, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Cole come back at some point. Yeah, so Hamels and Phillies, what do we, and I understand it was a – Bizarre, it was a strange circumstance with the unfortunate, uh, untimely ho- holiday death. Oh, man. Wasn't it weird seeing him in a Phillies the, in the press room holding a press conference last winter? Like, when else? Who else have you ever seen that with? That was just weird. I was shocked. Yeah, very weird scene. Um, no, I think the the Rangers. I don't think they're making this decision with Hamels as the number one guy in mind. They, they it seems like every year they they lose like four pitchers to the DL, and they're all you know. 60-day deal and, and lost causes. Maybe that's where the decision comes from. Uh, I'd be curious to look up after this. I just thought of this. Maybe Hamels has a vesting option for how many innings he has to hit, and maybe that's, ah. and that, that threatens the uh, threatens a chance of getting that. Um, yeah, and also, you know, Hamels in general was a 200 innings eater. He had an injury last year for uh, the stretch, I think, around like Memorial Day. He and, did. Yeah, so that, you know, it really it's just only one season he has been able to do that. Uh, was that a health thing, or was, that, or was that an age thing with him getting older? Was that a, a fluke thing? I, I guess we'll we'll find out this season or the next season. But I just, I don't think the the Rangers are necessarily making that decision with him as the the priority guy well, in mind. And here's the other thing: that rotation is not as strong as it has been in some years. Hamels is their best starting pitcher. Yeah. They have Matt Moore. They have Fister. Yeah. But really, if you look at at how the how the 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 league, the American League, has changed around them, Texas has went from being a team that was surely a few years ago thought to be one of the better teams in the league to now kind of being like, man, you hope that that offense is good enough to carry them. Right. When they acquired Hamels, the the thinking was, you know, hey, this is going to really set us up well for a playoff series, putting Darvish and Hamels together. Uh, as it happened, they didn't get out of the the first round either time. Uh, I think Hamels got shelled by Toronto one year. So. Uh, yeah, the pitching is definitely a, a lot worse than it's been in uh, you know recent years. Yeah, his contract, and I think you might be right because there it is an option. So let's see here. The so he's making twenty two and a half mm-hmm. in two thousand eighteen. He is it's an option for two thousand nineteen. It guarantees if he has four hundred innings pitched in seventeen and eighteen last year and this year, uh, and or two hundred innings pitched in two thousand eighteen. And he's not on the DL with a shoulder or elbow injury at the end of the season. So, in other words, like yeah. you said, that that option, the twenty million dollars, is uh, is there if he pitches okay. two hundred innings this year. And <laughs> last year, I I know it was, it was the first time he hasn't pitched two hundred innings in a while, seven or eight years, I yep. think. Yeah. And uh, no, the person who wrote that contract was Ruben Amaro, and he he threw out a lot of those type of vesting options back then. Then Cliff Lee had it. He uh, did. obviously didn't get it. Roy Halladay had it, obviously didn't get it. Papelbon had it. He was so good that they couldn't t- – it was for games finishes, games finished. He was an all-star and so good that they couldn't remove him from the closers role without it being a, a player's uh, sure. union uh, grievance. So, yeah, it's th- th- that makes sense to me, I guess. It does. And so, I mean, but it's a $6 million buyout, so if they didn't want him – so, he, listen, 2019, he potentially could be a free agent. And, at that, and here's the other thing. Texas may end up going into some type of a rebuilding mode to sure. where even if the, he does vest that option, they may look at the Phillies and say, hey, listen, 
give us something, and you know, and you have to give something because Cole right, Hamels right. does have some value. But well, there you go. Um, let, let's talk Scott Kingery for a second, Mike. Okay, because he has looked. He's looked great. I mean, he, between last year and what you've seen so far in spring training, he's the real deal. Yeah. And it's only a matter of time before he's here. But as a lot of people, and we put out a we put out a, a mailbag, uh, give us some questions for us to talk about. And I think everything except one question was Kingery, Kingery, Kingery. So if you don't already know how it's going to work is, and what's the date that they can bring him up? I think it's April 13th, April 9th. So if they wait two weeks, essentially, a little bit over two weeks, and they, in keeping Scott Kingery in the minors, they essentially get another year of keeping him under club control without him being a free agent. Right, a seventh year. Right. So for everybody out there that and uh, Turtle from from our station is like, yeah. I don't care. We want Kingery now. A lot of people are saying this. Two weeks of keeping him in the minors saves an entire year of free agency. It's a no brainer. The Cubs did it to Chris Bryant. Right. For for to say, I mean, it's what you do. So, but once that happens, what do they do? Do they bring him up with the expectation of hey, he can get at bats in a couple of different spots? It seems like that they're that Cesar is going to be the guy, yeah, at least to start the season. What do they do? What would you do? Right, and you know we had to point out Cesar was one of their better hitters last two seasons. He's a he's he's turned himself into a bona fide uh, top of the order hitter that a guy gets on base and you know hopefully steals a little more. But Cesar is a good player, uh, you know. Maybe just wait for an injury. Uh, you're going to have games, or, uh, whatever it is, 15, 20 games where you DH. Uh, just get, you know, just, I guess, get creative. Altera, I'm sure, is going to get hurt at some point. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, who knows? There's nine or there's eight defensive, or I guess seven if you don't count the mm-hmm. catcher. Somebody may go down. I, it's just I think it's just kind of one of those things you kind of wait and see. It's not it's not necessarily like maybe it takes care of itself with an injury or yeah ineffectiveness. It, it's not necessarily like Chris Bryant where there's a glaring where like they were saving third base for him like you know strategically yeah, he planning for him to be the right third away. baseman yeah right. Uh, but you, you know if I would say to like Turtle and the fans that um, don't agree with you know waiting two weeks, ask the Nationals and the Orioles if they're fortunate that if they feel fortunate that Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are on their team this season Bryce Harper <laughs> could be a Philly by now if because each of those teams they they didn't call him up on opening day of 2012 and as it happened both of those made both of those teams made the playoffs uh, the Cubs made the playoffs the year with Chris Bryant I so I, I and if the Phillies miss the playoffs this year I I don't think it's going to be because they're missing a dozen Scott Kingery games yeah and they might leave him down there for the first month. If he's really hitting the cover off the ball, then they say, "All right, let's bring him up." The other thing is, at this point, Franco hasn't he hasn't earned anything other than than he's the third baseman right now. Right, he's not the starting third baseman for the rest of the season. J.P. Crawford pretty much took his job away from him last year. That's a guy that doesn't have a lot of power. Kingery showed that he can play multiple positions. I second base is his best defensive position. Obviously, I think between between the guys, they could figure out third base if Franco was kind of being like, hey, listen, you're not doing anything. All right, we got Scott Kingery that can come up here and do it. Is he strictly a second baseman in your eyes? What would, so if, if Franco's not in the lineup and Kingery is, what is the who goes to third base? Is it Scott? I think it's Scott. Cesar, I, I'm not sure about his well, – yeah, the thing I don't know for sure is who's got a strong arm between Cesar and, and Kingery. Can either I just, one of them play third base? Yeah, I just – well, I, I would – Guess Kingery probably is the better just because I've seen Cesar's arm longer. I I know it's not that strong. Odds are Kingery's a little stronger, so I, I would I would think it's him. I think you're leaving J P Crawford there. You're you're not 
you know, you're not putting him at third and putting Cesar at short. No. So it's not one of those things. Odubel's entrenched in center. I know uh, Kingery's played center, which is that can only be good. It doesn't hurt you in any way because uh, Odubel's got the shoulder injury going on. Uh, Cesar so. played center too at one point. Cesar played center for a month and hit 300 a couple <laughs> of years ago. It was, it was one of the most forgotten months in Philly's history, but it he, he did it. Uh, yeah, so I, I would think that's that's the move. Huh. What uh? What's the what's the lineup? Let's let's talk start of the regular season. And and, and by the way, because I've had I've had people inquire about this, and there's some thought to Santana maybe leading off. There's been talk about Hoskins, and the other thing with Gabe Kapler is he's a guy that's going to put a high on base percentage player to to bet to hit lead off. Right. If it means sacrificing some power in the middle of that lineup to do it, I think at this point it makes most sense to to stick with Cesar. I know that he's not a he's not a base stealing threat, and it bothers me. It does. I, I, yeah. I hate I hate the fact that players don't try because you you just can't have good speed. And Cesar has good speed. You, totally you have to new, want totally new coaching staff this year, so they're you know maybe something maybe something the Davy Lopes factor where he's really pushing <laughs> yeah. these guys to steal. Yeah. But anyway, I start the season with Cesar. I don't overthink it. I don't put Santana there. I, I want him batting in the middle of that lineup. And I and Cesar Hernandez is my leadoff hitter. Agreed, hundred percent. All and right. then uh, going from there, I'd, I'd put Odubel too. Uh, hmm. Yeah, he's got, well, two. You, you're looking for one of your your best hitters because they're going to see more plate appearances. He's one of their best, but I I don't necessarily want to waste Santana or Hoskins' power there. I'd rather because you know who knows maybe it's first and second, nobody out, and you get Santana up there, and it, I'd rather have that situation. I also I'm also a big and I know Santana switch hits. I'm a big fan of putting a left-handed hitter in, in the two hole because. Say Cesar has a leadoff double or steal second, you just naturally pull it. You can get the guy over to third. Agreed. Uh, pull the ball to right field, maybe play first to third. I'm a big fan of uh, left-handed hitter there second and Odubel. You know, with his, he's got gap power, so it, you're not you're not talking about a guy with, with no power. Well, I mean, just just looking at it from from this right here. Bottom line is your your top four hitters. You're 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 much better than you. Yep. You're you're vastly better than you were even to be. Think about what you had at the beginning of last season. Compared to they have right now, I mean, you you have a you have a Reese Hoskins who, listen, I don't know if he's a th- I don't know if he's a three hundred hitter, I don't know if he's a thirty five home run guy, but here's what I do know, he has a great approach to the plate. He's going to see a lot of pitches. He's going to drive in a lot of runs, and he's going to be a timely hitter. He's a good player. And Santana, as much as people were bitching and complaining, like, oh, I want Reese Hoskins at first base. You're such a better team with Hoskins and, S- and Santana yeah. hitting three four than any other move that you really could have done. Absolutely, and. Uh, I, I liked what I saw from Hoskins in the the outfit. You know, I didn't see uh, you know a prime Barry Bonds out there glove wise, but it, he, it, he was, he was he no was, worse than Pat Burrell. No, he wasn't. He was not. And, and like, but the Phillies have never had a good left fielder ever defensively. Well, it's, it's the position that you stick yeah. the guys. Hoskins, Hoskins, and and Mike. That was where he had literally threw him out there for a, a, a three games or something in the minors. They're like, yeah, yeah here, go play left field. It, I, I was amazed at how well he played. It just seemed like naturally. And he played it in college, and I know that, but um, he did just fine in left field. Yeah, absolutely. And Santana's an upgrade at first base, so you know, you're, you're improving your infield and defense. And as Hoskins gets, gets a little bit older, he can move back to first base if he uh, if he loses some of his step right there. I actually feel, and we're going to get to the over-under for the, the Phillies' wins here in a second, I feel really good about this this lineup. So let's talk about the rest of the lineup here. So you go Santana-Hoskins? Yeah, I would go that order. All right, Santana-Hoskins. Th- what, what are you doing after that? So you know, most of the time we're going to go right-handed pitcher on the mound, just you know, odds-wise. So I would, I would figure Williams five, 
good, uh, you know, left, right, left. Yeah. And then he's also a guy is like, if you cut the lineup in half and say, you know, in the first inning, the four hitter makes the last out. He's not a bad guy to lead off the inning because, you know, say he draws a walk or gets on base. He is a threat to steal. So it's kind of like a double leadoff hitter that that five hole, but he's also a guy that can drive it in if you've he's got a rally. Yeah, he's a, he showed he can be dangerous with extra base hits. Yeah, he's uh he hit a lot of RBI. He which, did. So um, he did. I agree. Uh, I like him fifth. Uh, and then you know if Altair's there against the lefty, I, I'd be comfortable with that too. Uh, six through eight's where it gets interesting. It is JP eight. I'd probably go crawl or uh, Alfaro. Alfaro eight. Yeah, just let him hack away. Yeah, and he, the yeah, one thing the one thing I do like about JP at eight, and and this is the start off is he's just not going to go up there and swing at everything. You know, there is value to turning the lineup over Absolutely. and getting the pitcher up there. Now, if the pitcher grinds out to end the inning, then it's like whatever. But that's important for the following following. Carlos Ruiz did a great job in making the most out of his at bats, batting eighth. He wasn't up there getting desperate, trying to hit the ball because he knew that the pitcher was coming up. But he took his shots when he needed to, but he was patient yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, even his last year here when he was you know, clearly on the other side of his career, Chooch, he, he had a really good on-base percentage, probably around 350. Yep. Uh, that's, yeah. that's, you're right. That's big for the eight-hitter. And that, I, it's just at this point I'm not really – I don't really have a strong opinion on who's going to – Long term, probably I'm sure JP is going to be the better on on base guy. Uh, I don't, know. but also I'm not, you know, I don't know how many extra times I want to get Alfaro up there yet until I, I see a little more. Yeah, no, you're right. I, 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 the, the tools of Alfaro I love based on what I saw last year and whatever. Mm. But he, here's what's going to happen: he had enough at bats last year to where, and he'll probably still get first however many games this season, and then there's going to be a book on him. Yeah, and then it's going to say, okay, let's how you get the guy out, and how you get the guy out is you don't throw fastballs to him. So he's going to have to adjust to it too. He said, he he did well last year in walking. He really did. He mm-hmm. he adjusted a little bit, but I'm really curious to see what starters do against him, what pitching does against him this year. I wouldn't throw him fastballs. I would throw him junk. He's, no, got, I, he's got great absolutely. wall power. Yeah, no, he does. He's got that. He's got that. He's got a rare like one handed swing where he can just tomahawk the ball out. It's yeah, really you, well, you're right. He can one handed and pull it. Yeah. Right over there, uh, so yeah, so uh, so that that's the starting lineup right there. All right, so I wanted to uh, I wanted to end on this right here, uh, and it's you see, you, so you were you actually were in Milwaukee on Sunday because you I went was. out with the rights to Ricky Sanchez bus trip. I was. How was that, by the way? It was a blast. Uh, all it was four day weekend. I get three and a half, whatever it was. Flew to Chicago on Friday. Flew to Chicago. Barely made it out of here. Last flight out of uh, PHL. To, uh, oh, is that right? Oh, because yeah. of the snow. Because of the snow. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Right before we took off, the, the pilot comes out and goes, uh, I don't want to alarm anyone, but because of the strong winds, we can't de-ice the wings. So what I'm going to do is go out and eyeball the wings to make sure that they're de-iced. So if you see me doing that, I just don't want to alarm you. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because that's, that's pretty much information I wouldn't need to know. But I guess if you look out and the pilot's looking at the wings. Yeah. Was that Thursday? Was that So that was Friday? Friday it was it was delayed until about sometime noon, 1230. Oh, my God. You almost didn't get out. Yeah. And with, uh, Spike was on our flight. So, he, you know, most important person of the trip. Uh, glad we got him out. No doubt. All right. So then so you get out. You get to Chicago. Hang out Friday night. Party. Yeah. We went to the uh, <laughs> We went to Bulls Mavericks Friday night. And oh, you did. Uh, yeah, I, I've obviously I've seen a lot of tanking as a Sixer season ticket holder. 
that was the biggest tank fest uh, I've ever seen. The, the Mavs had four Who players wanted to on the lose court more? at once. The Mavs had four players on the court at one, th- <laughs> at one point in time. How's New Orleans doing this year in uh, in Dallas, by the way? Uh, not good. He uh, hasn't he, I think it's like a second game back. He <laughs> he's still New Orleans, he's bricking layups. Uh, he's you know out. He's got more energy than anyone, but I, I don't know what that does. So then, bus to Milwaukee on Saturday. Sunday around like one o'clock. I think. So you spent two nights in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago's a great city. How was the weather? Was it cold? It was better than it was here. It was probably like forty-five and sunny. Oh, so that's nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when say I used to, I, I used to have a, a friend out there that I would go see a couple times a year. And uh, depending on the weather, it's great in the spring. Mm-hmm. It can be hot in the summer. But if you if you go, I used to go around my birthday sometimes in December, and it would be cold. Man, that's a cold city. Great city. Yeah. It was blessed. That was great. my first time uh, out there. So. Yeah, beautiful city. Beautiful, yeah. clean city. It's great. All right, so then you go, and, and you're in Milwaukee. You saw an exciting game, I guess, for the first first half or whatever, the yeah. bad third quarter. Yeah, first, I guess, two and a half quarters. Uh, they're the Sixers. That's what they do. They uh, Especially on these uh, – this is my first bust the process, but that's what they do on these other ones. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, so that, that was not – some of these losses this year – Mike are just absolutely killing me inside. All right, so you missed it on Sunday. It was alumni game. It was alumni day down in Clearwater. Yeah. And uh, who was out? Brett Myers, Scott Ayer. Pete Happy. Pete was there. Yeah, it was good to see Pete. J-Roll came out. Yeah. And it was so good to see him. I miss J-Roll. I love him. Living in Tampa. I didn't know he's living in Tampa year-round with his uh, his wife and his daughters. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Okay. So he's down yeah. there. So he came over and, and whatever, and he was hugging Gabe Kapler, and there was a picture that was out there of him and Charlie over by the stands, and I think Charlie was showing him something on his phone, and Jimmy, Jimmy was, like, smiling and pointing to it or whatever. So there's this idea being floated around by Jimmy. He wants to retire a Philly. Yeah. But he doesn't want to take this BS – Sign me to a ceremonial contract. I retire as a Philly. He actually right. wants to play in a game. Yeah, and uh, who was <laughs> I was reading an MLB.com article, so I, I assume it was Todd Zalecki uh, that wrote, you know, it's don't be surprised if Jimmy Rollins could play an errorless week of shortstop still, which, you know, he probably could. I will say when he when they introduced him to come out and tip his cap and all that, he looked he looked pretty old getting out of that dugout. I don't know if you saw him. It, yeah, it, yeah, he it, was, it was a long jog. He did. I, I look forward to the day when a when a, a gray goatee Jimmy Rollins comes out to celebrate like the twentieth anniversary yeah, yeah, yeah. of the World Series and everybody's like, Man, everybody's old. But you know well, what I look s- at Utley already. Yeah, Utley's already looks looks <laughs> old. He's got the gray hair. Um I be, you know, it's you don't want to take a roster spot away from somebody. You don't want to have to designate somebody from the forty man roster to put them on there. But I think there's a way you can maneuver it to where first of all, I don't think it's gonna happen. No, yeah. Uh but I would, I mean, come on, man. I would love to see if there was one one home game in September where Jimmy Rollins uh, put on the uniform, uh, let off the game. You could also do like, uh, I, first off, I agree with you. It's not gonna. I doubt it's happening. But you know, maybe there's uh, like the third week of April that they have a home Sunday afternoon game, and they know they're gonna designate Pedro Florman for assignment to make room for Kingery. So for that, that Sunday afternoon, yeah, yeah. Just, or you could transfer of guys being transferred from the sixty from the fifteen day to the sixty yeah. day DL, which clears a a, a a spot off the forty. You bring him on, and then he retires after that. You can do whatever. There's a way if they wanted to do it. It yeah. would obviously be a home game. They want to get the crowd from that. The only thing I can think of as a fan, how cool that would be. And maybe I'm just a, a schmuck, but that would be really cool to to see Jimmy come out one more time from that dugout. I think it would be cool. Like I think uh, Phillies fans. 
it, it, it was a painful whatever it was four years of Ryan Howard at the end. But I think they really did appreciate that last uh, that last Ryan Howard day. Absolutely. Where basically, they, they turned the game over to all right. This is Ryan Howard celebration day. All right. One one more thing on Jimmy, and I was talking about this on the air the other day. So does, does the, the Phillies have never retired a number of a non Hall of Fame player? I, I like this conversation. Yeah. So. With that being said and that being known, A, Jimmy Rollins has the best chance to make the Hall of Fame of the of the 2008 players. Do you agree? I see it that way, but, uh, you know, the, the this is going to come up. It's not going to be a real conversation until a couple of years from now, and we're only going to have more advanced stats come out. And I think the more advanced stats that come out, it, it trends towards Utley. Jason. So I see it that way, that it's Rollins, because – well, 15 years in everyday shortstop in the National League, you know, the four gold gloves, the, the collect- gap power. The collective of what he has, and yeah. I don't necessarily understand this or know this, but um, Jason Stark has said on many occasions that Jimmy Rollins, in his eyes, is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's never hit 300 in the season. I don't know how you can be a Hall of Famer and play during the era that Jimmy played and 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 never have hit Three hundred. Well, uh, what helped him a lot this past off season was uh, Alan Trammell got in. Yeah, and you know, and Barry yes. Larkin. Barry Larkin's already in. He said he's said Jimmy Rollins is a Hall of Famer. Uh, I, th- I think yeah. there's a pretty good chance he gets in. Yeah, it, I just he borderline. You, yeah, he he was, uh, you know, undoubtedly the best shortstop for the first fifteen years of the century in the National League. Certainly was. So, did, did any of these guys get their number retired? Hall of Fame or not Hall of Fame? And there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah. Do they continue with tradition and say, sorry? And I actually, I like the fact that they just don't retire. Like, I, I love Bobby Jones, 76, or I love Bobby Jones. Mm-hmm. His number's retired. So he, Dolph less, Shays. Yeah, he's more or less a bench player. Mo yeah. Cheek's my favorite athlete of all time. I'm glad his number's retired. You know what I mean, though? Like, yeah, yeah, Bo- yeah. Bobby Jones isn't a Hall of Famer. Do they Do they go for it? See, here's how I, here's what I think. And I don't care about the Hall of Fame stuff. If Jimmy gets, if Jimmy gets his number retired... You can retire his number, but if you retire Chase Utley's number, you have to retire Ryan Howard's number. Yeah, I I don't know how you retire Chase and not Ryan. People would be pissed. Right. I look at it as: Are the Phillies ever going to issue six, eleven, or twenty six to another player again? They haven't. I think that's. I don't think that's an accident. I, I or, or coincidence. I I don't think they're ever going to issue it again. So if no. you're not going to issue it again, why, just, all right, go paint it up in Ashburn Alley. You know why not? But that's it. No Cole. Cole only won like 110 games as a Philly or something like that, and he was a, a huge part of 2008. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, MVP of both LCS and World Series, but but he, you know, his of the three of them, he's doing. Well, I guess Utley won't, but he sells a shot. Hamels has the best. He has, at least has a chance to come back here and add to his. He does. Totals. No, you're so, right. He does. So yeah, I wouldn't close the book on him yet. I, I would say that I would, you know, if Cole Cole retired today, I would. Put him on the other side of the line with. Uh, I would just do the three hitters. You think they make it? They, they what make the decision to? You think the Phillies retire those numbers? Because it, it, it's, I think they it's do. an amazing conversation because you get people that are like, no, you can't retire them. They did. They're, well, they're not in the Hall of Fame. They're not going to make the right, Hall right. of Fame or whatever. But they, well, we've seen them break rules before. Like they had a rule. I forget the year. To, maybe it's five. You'd be on the Phillies for at least five years to be on the Wall, the of, wall fame. of Fame, right? And Jim Tomey's on there. Uh, Doc's going to be on there. They were the they were instrumental those three, and I'll say equally instrumental. Yeah, in the best run in the franchises, however many hundred and however many years 
the best run of the of the franchise ever. So I I, I put them on. I, yeah. I just that that's what I say. Agreed. All right. So high hopes podcast. A couple times a week you'll hear between me and Jack and Mike and James Seltzer and whoever else we throw on here. Uh, you'll hear us. But do this for us. Rate us. Give us a good rating. And the more ratings we get, because right now if you search Philly's podcast, for people that are just Philly's fans, if you search Philly's podcast, we don't come up because we don't have enough ratings. So rate us. Give us a good rating if you like it. You should give us a good rating. And then uh, more people will get an opportunity to hear High Hopes right here, powered by 94WIP. Mike, it's been fun, dude. We'll do it again soon. Looking forward to it. All right. Go Phillies.